Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Sandy Pars Podcast, your source for in-depth discussions about the world of golf for the amateur golfer. We're your hosts, Randy Duran and Ryan Munoz. On this episode, we review Sunnyside Country Club, the newly introduced DP World Tour, discuss three must-haves in any winter golf bag, and preview the Houston Open. Stay tuned after the break. Welcome back to the Sandy Pars Podcast. This is episode 44. I'm your host, Rennie Duran, joined by my co-host, Ryan Munoz. Hey, hey! On this episode, we're going to review Sunnyside Country Club. I know we have done that before, but um, we really didn't give it a, our official rankings. Um, we're also going to discuss some must-haves in the winter golf bag. There's also the introduction of the um, DP World Tour, and we'll dive into the Houston Open a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's review Sunnyside Country Club. Um, Fresno, California. We've we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah, it was Postmasters episode two, so I think it probably got a little bit lost in the shuffle of everything. There's going a lot on. to talk about. Yeah. Um, great course. Uh, we've played it a few times now. Uh, built in 1911 by architect William P. Bell, as we've discussed before on the podcast. Uh, he actually designed a local course out here, um, Tilden, in home uh, of the six-hour weekend round. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about it. Ad nauseum, six hours, um, super sloppy. But I mean, the, the holes are pretty fun. It's a pretty, it's a pretty fun course. It's a it, fun course in ideal conditions. Um, got on because of our boy Mikey. Shout out Sandra. Shout out Mikey. Thank you for getting us on. Hospitality there. It was great. Um, hey, just off the bat, we're talking about Tilden six hour round. Shout out to everyone out there at Sunnyside three hour round on a Saturday morning. That's the beauty to. A private course, private yes. club, but uh, they really encourage playing fast there, so much so that they say that even on the intercom before people are going out. I love I it. I mean, we, we played through some people. Other we people let people play through, through us, right? I mean, it's everyone's just, out there, hey, let's get let's get out here before the dogs game is you know, on. So, yeah. Great weekend. Loved it. Three hour, three hour round is great. Um, it's, you can establish a rhythm and, and yeah. Um, the course met the course measures uh six hundred six thousand nine hundred and fifty yards uh, from the championship tees. Um, it's been like I said, built in nineteen eleven, and it's the, at one point was the only golf course between Monterey and Los Angeles. If you can believe that, damn, that's pretty cool. That's incredible. That's crazy. I shit, mean, when you think about it, nineteen eleven is a long time ago. It so is. that course has been there. I mean, it was probably a few decades before anything else was built around there. Just this location and all that. That's pretty awesome to know. Um, but yeah, the facilities. We always rank it between facilities, course conditions, and then design and playability. Um, what do you think about the facilities? Uh, great range, great little chipping green practice area. Uh, the clubhouse or the the pro shop's nice. They got the snack bar there. Uh, for a older, for the actual kind of facility being old, I think it's still very functional and and all good. Right. Right. It's, I think I think like the the pro shop and like I mean we haven't been in the clubhouse or anything like that. Yeah. But it has that that old school vibe. It's like. Just get out there and golf, you know? They have the restaurant and bar and everything, you know, where you can have events and all that out there. But when you go out there to play golf, it's just like, okay, here's the entrance to play golf. It just pumps you right out. Yep. Right out. There's no way to hit the range. They got, like I said, that little chipping green. They putting have two, greens, two putting, putting greens. greens. Yeah. Um, and you can also hit on both ends of the range there, too. If Which you is very that. nice. So you can go out, and if it's crowded on one end, you can go on the other. Um, 
Yeah, I really like the fact they had like a sand area to practice out of that green. You could chip around and have all kinds of different shots and lies and all that. that yeah, was really awesome. There's no need for me to practice sand pre-round. Yes, <laughs> you got enough in on uh, on the course out there. That I did. How many How many bunkers did you end up hitting? I hit twelve bunkers. Any double bunkers? No bunker to bunker. Okay. I, I mean, I actually <laughs> played pretty well out of most of them, but yeah. Not limited to fairway and green. I I was hitting them all. Um, I think I probably hit a few more green sides than I did fairways. But I st- I st- I still hit some good drives that ended up in fucking fairway bunkers. Yeah. Um, so whatever. Um, conditions. I mean, it was cold in the morning. That's no fault of the course. I thought that the tees, the greens, and the fairways were exceptional. The greens were awesome. Yeah. I mean, they're little tiny postage stamp greens they are tiny and i can see them totally getting baked out in the summer you know how hard they would be um the they're surrounded by bunkers usually all the greens too the green complex is really fun again a few signature holes out there i can tell you about those bunkers um dude yeah i loved how the greens were rolling uh i like playing i'd much prefer to put on fast greens like that uh you know, I, we don't know that course as well, and and so and and they are small. They are. Uh, they're tiny. I had some bad, some heartbreaking putts on that just didn't drop. But um, I don't it, really it, it wasn't could... for the the fault of the green, right? And I and I actually aimed them right where I wanted. I just it just wasn't reading it right. But you made uh, so you still made two hundred feet of putts. I did. I know they were they were dropping on the front nine. They were not <laughs> dropping on the back, but. Yeah, dude. That's why I love putting on on fast greens like that because you, I feel like you have a legit chance to drain some long putts and like that twenty to ten foot range, you can really make a lot of those putts. Right. Whereas like if you're playing like where it's super slow greens, it's just I don't know. I don't I don't have the feel for that. I, right. I, I hate. I feel like I hate feeling like I gotta try to like I'm putting across you know like a, a fucking long green, right? And a link style green. Where well, you're having to hit it or like actually yeah, swing it. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. You just don't like I said. You're not. I feel like you're not rolling the ball, right? right. You're not rolling the rock. Um, and and so there you can definitely definitely get that. Uh, conditions, greenside bunkers, outstanding condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairway bunkers were a little harder. Which right. I don't really, I, I don't necessarily mind either, right? Yeah, um, so, I, that's actually something I was gonna say too. Is like I almost prefer a little bit harder of a of a fairway bunker than a soft, fluffy one because at least you're not like fried egg in there. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. It gives you a chance to at least advance the ball downrange decently. Uh, yeah. But greenside, they were great. The sand was awesome. Uh, I think I even said at one point, like, damn, I'm, I'm when I actually like hit out of sand trap greenside sand traps that are filled with sand. I do have a decent bunker game. Um, I, I I think I only took two out of out of a couple out of like one fairway bunker. Yeah. But all the green sides, I was out in in one stroke and and had a couple actually really good good outs. Yeah, I totally agree with that completely. Um, design and playability. Shit, I thought it was a pretty fun design course. It's straight. I mean, it's it's in the Central Valley, so it's right. flat. There are a good amount of trees out there because it's such an old course. Right. So it has a little bit of protection with trees. Obviously, we've mentioned the bunkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, plenty and of pro- So I think, yeah, and I think the small, the, small, uh, the small greens really help because there's a lot of holes that are actually pretty long. Or at least they played long when we were playing it in the cold. You yeah, know? yeah. And we had like 170 yards into the green, and it's a super hard, super small green 
And it seems like, you know, you're in position, like you get a great drive, you're in a great position, and that's how it kind of protects itself. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 100%. So, so I feel like if you played by the forward tees, we played the combo tees, but if you played the forward tees in with lower handicapper, I think that's actually going to be... Very enjoyable time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, you can see how it can be challenging for even a very skilled golfer, yet it, like you said... Um, Put put a newbie up at the forward tees and they can still have fun. Yeah, and a lot of those drives too, you had, you had to you had to you know you gotta your, work the ball. Yeah, exactly. Or pick where you you know where you want to. Yeah, it, it, that's definitely a course. As you get a little more familiar with it, you can you, you got an idea of kind of where you want to be at, what side of the hole, and I think that helps, uh, especially in going into hitting your approach shot in such small greens. Or and especially for being a country club, because you're going to play that course over All and over time, again, yeah. and it really does seem like you can play it a bunch of different ways. You know, depending on how you know the course is playing that day, or I mean, if you want to try new things, you know what I mean. Yep. Um. So, overall, I mean, we didn't get we didn't go to the restaurant or the bar up there or anything like that, so we can't really judge too harshly on on that aspect but what would you give it in terms of a rating i give it i'm gonna go just a solid 4.0 um speed of play a1 and the conditions were great right uh you know it's it's in the central valley so it doesn't have we're not gonna get some incredible views or anything but uh You, you can't you know utilize the landscaping too much yeah there's no you know like his there is some little little moguls and stuff out there mm-hmm. but there's no like big slopes or anything elevation right. so if i was to knock it but you know that, that's they, they can't do anything about yeah, that. there's exactly. just not that in in fresno so but you know that's that's where where i'm docking at some points um i think i think that's, that's so funny i also rated it a four four point zero and i think um, and my reasoning behind that was anything above four, I think, has to have what you're just talking about right there, where it's like a little bit extra because of where it's located. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a wow stuff. factor, exactly. right? Uh, it's got to have it all to ever be a five, you know? And, yeah. you know, there's only a few of those in the entire world, but uh, I totally agree with that. There's There's nothing bad about that golf course. Everything was great. It's... What you, I mean, honestly, it's like an ideal version of what a uh, a country club really should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when that focused on golf. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I thought it was great. It played it played great considering how cold it was. You know, they have to deal with freeze and all that type of stuff. But the greens, uh, the tee boxes, and the fairways were just perfectly bright green. It was awesome. And I mean, I I thought I I thought I I scored higher than I, I felt like I played right. right. Um, so I, I I got I fell victim to some rough putts on a couple part threes. But yeah, it's it's got teeth too, you know. Right. So um, I don't think it's just a course you can go out there and bomb and shred around. Yep. Uh, yeah. Great time. Thanks, Mikey. Thank Thanks you, for Mikey. Getting us out there. Thank you, Sunnyside. Thank you, Sunnyside. Awesome time. It wasn't quite winter though when we played. You know, we're in the fall here, but the valley gets cold in the morning. You know, it was 50 degrees when we teed off. I know that's nothing to a lot of people, but, you know, we get to play golf in California year-round, so we get to play in really, really cold conditions in in some situations. So uh, we were just talking about this previously on kind of how do you navigate that if you can play golf during the winter? How do you, like, what do you have in your bag that you have to the must have the must haves to get you through the winter season, um, so that when you're out there, you're having a good time, you're not super uncomfortable, and you have everything you need. 
All right, so uh, you want me to start this off here? Yeah, All right, so so the number one is golf and winter. You got to have some some hand warmers. Um, swinging, gripping the club when your hands are cold as shit, hitting a sculling a shot when your hands are cold as shit is no fun. Um, so I think you got to have hand warmers. That's that's my number one. Um, then the rest of these you can you can. Yeah, it's not a specific order, so but things you gotta. Let's have. just say that these things have to stay in your bag throughout the winter. Like, yes. So like you can't you can't put them in and take them out um, based on the particular conditions of that. Day. No, no, no. I toss like I'm probably after Thanksgiving. I'm gonna toss uh, probably like ten to twenty things of hand warmers in there. Mm-hmm. Just the little disposable ones. For sure. Um, all right. So the second thing I got on my list is some sort of brown liquor shot. So some sort of nice warming <laughs> shot, a whiskey, perhaps a cinnamon flavored whiskey, or a brandy, or a brandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or if it's not, if the only thing clear that you can put in there in the winter time is okay. peppermint schnapps. I was just gonna say rumble mints. Yeah, yeah, peppermint schnapps, rumble mints. That's the only clear thing that <laughs> brings a warming sensation. But yeah, winter golf. Take a little rip of that brown liquor. Get a little, you know, nice little warm, fuzzy feeling, and go out there and fucking rip some shots, um, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> then I've got uh, layers and socks. So, pendant what kind of person you are, but you know, I'll layer up generally with long pants under my my regular pants. Yep. Um, but I always have an extra like Under Armour, you know, compression shirt underneath and then probably an extra pullover. And then of course, extra socks. Uh, if you're a stinky footed fuck like myself, um, you always have extra socks in your bag. That's not just a winter thing, but, uh, for, playing, <laughs> for, playing, for, for others who don't have yeah, that problem yeah, for playing winter golf, you never know when you're going to step into a big old fucking squishy mucky nightmare especially if you're playing out here in the city or in in like the the bay area um and then if you're not wearing the right shoes you're gonna need some socks because you don't want to be getting trench foot during your round no totally agree i have socks on here as well you need multiple pairs for whatever reason you can be wet elsewhere but once your feet are wet like that really changes changes the game yep especially if you're walking too exactly even worse so uh then i got ibuprofen uh, again cold Older joints, brittle bodies. Oh, um, see, that's a good little, one. A little bit of ibuprofen in there, a little anti-inflammatory. And then I have um, paper towel or, or extra towel slash toilet paper. Um, so what's what's up with the toilet paper? Come on. like what? Well, the toilet paper has been – that's that again is now uh, – <laughs> All seasons. Did you say San Diego? That is that's all seasons since the Tory Pines trip, um, <laughs> where I almost shat my pants and almost needed to take a shit in the canyon at Tory Pine. Um, you need to have toilet because you never know. I mean, come on now, U.S. Open course. Let's maybe have you got two fucking courses out there. Let's maybe have more than one bathroom on the course. <laughs> but whatever. Um, you gotta have some toilet paper. You never know. You're out in nature. Um, Listen, sometimes. But like, want to get wet in your bag? Like, if it's if it's raining out, or well, you could put it in a good compartment. That's oh, not okay. gonna get. I All mean, right. I'm not. Yeah, I I'm not a go out in the rain type of golfer. Oh right? yeah, if that's, it's okay, super. Gotcha, if gotcha. it's super rainy, you know, if it happens to rain when I'm out on the course, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But like, if I can see that it's raining all day. Yeah. I'm just not gonna fucking go out. Um, that's that doesn't seem that fun to me, unless yeah. like Tiger calls and is like, hey, let's go play in the rain. Um, 
<laughs> then I would. It's but, yeah, worth it. Yeah. I would completely agree. And that pretty much that that completes my list. I mean, we have this. We have similar answers on here. I had hand warmers as well as, as my number one. Multiple pairs of socks, number two. Um, and then I I put rain gear like top to bottom, um, gloves, pants, jacket, etc. Because the gloves can fit in there no problem. It's not gonna take a, a yeah. bunch of room. Um, the pants, I mean, you're gonna wear them. Uh, well, I guess you, you can't keep them in your bag. So well, but you, you, you can have like some overs, you know, like yeah. just some quick little over uh, outer shell pants. And then there's a, a jacket, you know, that some, that's in a bag that clips to your um, to your your golf bag. You know, Nike makes it a hell of a one. Also, anything from State Apparel though too. I mean, we play in the cold, wet, damp all winter just long. Some competition pants, baby. Competition pants are legit. Uh, and the, the, the quarter zips they have, even the polos that they have are usually like super warm. Yeah. You got the extra and you got the pending what style you've got the, the little towel accessory built in. Exactly. So you don't have to step away from, step away from the shot, um, too much. So yeah, those are all options that I had. I mean, one that I would have definitely preferred to put in there would have been like brown liquor shooters. I mean, pretty awesome and then ibuprofen i always had it in my bag anyway so i didn't realize it was just a winter thing but it's still a great idea but yeah i mean yeah i i try to keep ibuprofen in my bag at all times too so but for extra important in the winter yes <laughs> um but at least we can talk about playing golf during the winter 100 percent. i mean should we get into the the euro the former euro tour now let's do it so big news that actually just dropped today. We weren't even going to bring this up on the podcast, but the Euro Tour is no more. The European Tour has ended uh, officially on November 25th here in 16 days, which now will be known as the DP World Tour. And I guess DP World is a Saudi logistics company. Um, and I mean, this is pretty significant. I mean, no, no more European tour. It, it makes complete sense why they, they got rid of the European tour. First of all, they weren't making a ton of money playing on it, and it's called the Euro Tour, and they only play, they probably played 38% of their tournaments in Europe. All the rest of them were elsewhere. They had the race for Dubai. Well, like race to I Dubai. said, right, the, the, the like, championship's called the race to Dubai, which exactly. is not in Europe. Yeah. Um, and so I was just looking up a little, a little bit about it today. It's going to be comprised of uh, 47 tournaments in 27 countries. It's going to expand the Rolex, the Rolex series to five events, which was previously four. Um, it is going to have three combined tournaments with, PG, with the PGA Tour. So that's still on play, right? Because they announced that with the, the schedule. Right. right. So that hasn't changed any of the events there. Right. Um, and then one of the biggest things that was inhibiting from the European Tour to to grow or at least have more prize money is because the PGA tour and them did not have a like a a two-way relationship. Mm -hmm. Basically the PGA tour was like our players are a way bigger draw than yours. You need to pay us more money or like, you know, su essentially subsidize our players going over there and playing. And so this benefits, I mean, I think the players too, right? Because now they can go back and forth yeah. between tours. The actual what? European golfers on the PGA tour can play more on that side of the country, which kind of stinks for the tournaments here in the U.S. But I don't, I don't know if they're actually going to do that. But 
Well, I mean, players have done it before, right? You right. know, it took Rory a minute to come over from the Euro Tour. Um, you got guys like like Matthew Fitzpatrick that are kind of like half and half right now. Right. So overall, I think it's great, right? Uh, to get more money, more, you know, again, like you you said, the European Tour really wasn't even like that. European, they're not playing in straight Europe all the time. Right. So it's just... Um, yeah, I think over and and I think the the biggest thing still is this wasn't this wasn't news coming out today, but the combined PGA Tour events, um, right? The, the three combined events, and then also on the ladies' side, the LPGA and the the ladies' European Tour. I don't know if they have not changed as well, but uh, they have the same deal where they're doing three combined events as as well. Yep. Um. Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously more prize money for the players, right? So they're going to be more inclined to play on that tour from time to time. Um, I think I, I hadn't heard about the three combined tournaments for the PGA Tour until recently, so I'm, I'm actually really pumped to hear about that. And I think that uh, it's going to bolster both of their kind of feeder leagues, right? Because yep. the, the, the Corn Ferry is already doing a really good job of being like a, like a, you know, a G League or a minor league system for uh the pga tour and then what is it the, the challenge the challenge tour? I, I don't even, i couldn't even tell you yeah i think it's like the, it's the challenge tour and that's like essentially europe's uh you know feeder system into the into their their tour mm -hmm. so i mean the corn fairy tour has already done a lot for the current crop of of players 100 percent. Right? i mean we've seen zala torres scheffler a bunch of guys come through there that are really really good we'll have more this year that are gonna that are gonna win. I'm, I'm, I'm for a fact. Um, yeah, the corn fairy. I think the corn fairy tour is pretty sweet. How they've they've made it into a really great little, like you said, akin to the G League, almost a little two way system there. Yeah. So more to come on that. I'm really. I mean, I'm interested in seeing how that kind of plays out. The current format for the PGA Tour, you know, it needs a little bit of spice added up to it because there's a lot of tournaments that no one even gives a shit about. Uh, some crossover events would be sweet, like between the LPGA or like some European guys, like, you know, like, uh, you know, one from each tour playing some sort of team event because like people like to see team events. They're pretty. Yeah, they're, they're entertaining. Um, I mean, and I mean, that, that brings us to what we're watching this week, right? The Houston Open, which most people wouldn't really tune in for too much, but um, it's still a pretty awesome event for the PGA, I would say. Yes. I mean, this is, it's its first time back in Memorial Park in since 1963. Um, and I was looking this up. So I didn't even realize that this was a municipal course. Yeah, they poured a, a bunch of money into it. And that was like back in what, 2019? Yeah. And so the... Designer is Tom Doak, who we know from the the uh, renovation at Pasa Tiempo. Okay. So when I saw that, I was like, "Who? Like, I know that name. I I know that name from somewhere, and that's how I know it was from." That makes sense. Restoring Pasa Tiempo. He also had he also collaborated with Brooks Kepka too, which I thought Kepka was a Florida guy, so I don't understand like the Houston connection for him. Kind of helping out with this, dude. Don't don't question what Brooks does. I'm just saying, I, I just don't get it. But <laughs> yeah, <I> was, <laughs> dude. So um, I was reading about Pete Dye. I mean, I'm sorry about Tom Doak, and he's like a Pete Dye understudy. Huge influences of of Mackenzie. Um, 
And he also has one of the most expensive golf books I've ever come across, which is the Confidential Guide to Course Design. It's uh, it's like a hundred bucks, no matter where you look. It's like only on a hardback. And what I've heard about this is it it includes some like not so nice remarks about some famous courses got throughout it, the country. Got it. Got it. And so I'm very I'm very interested in seeing what this guy has to say. But I think that it originally started as a book that he passed around to his friends. And like close people within his circle, yeah. and then it, and then it blew up, and so he created essentially a, a, a censored version that he shared with everybody else. So, Interesting, yeah. So uh, one thing I noticed though is when you think McKinsey or you think Die, you think a bunch of bunkers and stuff like that. But I, that's why I think it's more Pete Die influenced because there's a lot of swales where bunkers would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he it's kind of. Yeah, Pete Dye is a big fan of using the the land and exactly. creating elevation, um, big drops in elevation. So yeah, yeah, that that um, I can see that. Um, and then it has one thing that I actually read about was the it retains eighty million gallons of water um, from of storm water, so that it no longer has to be on the city's water supply, which I thought was pretty interesting. If you can save that much water and be like, I guess, sustainable to a yeah. degree. Um, I've never heard of a golf course that's done that before. I'm sure there are others that, that do that. But I think if we want for the longevity of the game, I definitely think that more things like that. Like that need to just start uh, happening. Yeah, yeah, shit. Especially you think of out here just in California, given that we have a huge drought going on. Yep. Um, defending champ, Carlos Ortiz. Let's we got- go. We got the featured golfers in this field. So, I mean, not the strongest field. Nobody from the top 10, but we got Finau, Kepka, Sam Burns, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Cameron Smith, Patrick right, Reed, got some names. Sung J.M., Matt Wolf. You know, we have tw- 12 through 31 right there. Um, I mean, that's pretty strong. I mean, yeah. No. I, would, I would go out there and watch good, good half field. those guys and just follow them around all day. We we volunteered for the Fortinet and didn't see most of those guys. No, uh, Sanjay. No Reed, no Smith. No that was Scheffler. it. That was it. Yeah, Sanjay. We had Phil and Rom and a couple other big Homa. names. Homa, but yeah, um, Sanjay being the only one. And actually, I don't even think Sanjay was out there. I'm, I got him confused. Um, he might have been, but uh, yeah, I mean that's a decent field. Shit. Some November golf. Let's. Uh, I look forward to actually watching. I'm curious. I want to watch it and really check out this course too. Yeah, it's the first time that it's been at this at this course or a tournament's been at this course since 1963. Yeah. So course history and previous performance in this tournament doesn't quite matter um, as much unless you played this thing in fucking 1963. So let's see. Houston Open top tens. Let's see what we got. The favorite is Sam Burns, actually. So I like. I like Matt Wolf as a winner, as a top 10. He's been playing well. I think he top 10 at Mayakoba. He top top five at the Shriners. Um, seems to be getting his game back into shape after having a rough little little spring of last year. Um, I like Matt Wolf, top 10. I think he, I got a plus 280. I like Taylor Gooch, plus 350. I like your boy Jocko, plus 320. Um, and I found one more in here that I was liking. Long shot. Longer shot. Um, 
where was it here? Let me see. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, um, a guy from Chile, plus 600, Mito Pereira. Dude, Mito was tearing it up at the four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like his game. I yeah. like his game. So I think he could score on those par fives, and he's clever around the greens. Um, I think there's some good value in that pick. I think I'm going to go ahead and throw some scratch on Kepka winning it. I know he's struggling a little bit, but if he had anything to do with the, you know, the design, the design right? of this, I mean, I would not count him out in terms of just throwing a little bit of scratch on him winning the whole so damn see, thing. See, like I would think of almost fading Kepka in this spot because I, this is like fall golf, and we know he only cares about majors. But the point but you bring forth cannot be. He uh, has a little bit discounted, of a in the game. right? Because he helped design this course. So, um, and then if he wins, like. You know, do we set something up where you can't like fucking design a course <laughs> and then go out and play the tournament? That seems a little bit unfair. It um, does. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I really liked your Wolf, uh, Matt Wolf pick. I, I really think that we might have jumped the gun on him last year, uh, mainly because he had some issues last year that were not related to his, you know, to, to his game. It was just, you know, injuries and a little bit of mental health issues, which are completely understandable. But his game is turning around. You can see that he's putting up low rounds here and there. Or I actually, more consistently, he just needs to be uh, avoiding those big rounds. Yep. And so once he puts it together, I mean, you can put it together on any course. His game translates to any course. So I really like that pick at plus 280. Um, if I had to pick another another favorite. Actually, I can't believe this guy's actually favorite. Aaron Wise, I thought he would be less of a, I think he'd be at higher odds, but uh, I really like that kid's game. He's super young. He's already won on tour, I plus believe. Plus 350. Yeah, plus 350. And then if we're going at the long shots, let's see. Damn, it's crazy to see Jason Day so far down this list. Yep. But he, that's just how it is. Um, I like I like your Mito Pereira pick actually. Actually, I'll go with Max Homa plus five fifty. Yeah, I saw that there too. Kinda I go Max Homa plus five fifty. Like that as well. Yeah, I mean Max Homa's already been already won during this like meaningless stretch of of uh, not meaningless, but you know what I mean. Less hyped part of the season. Yeah, he's already used to winning during this type of type of year. Yeah, hey, two wins on the wraparound season sets him up fucking great for the the the, the start of the regular season. Mm -hmm. All right, let's wrap up with our new segment then with uh, up and down. So this is something we'll sign off with every week going forward, which is essentially a, a segment that can literally be anything in the game of golf. That's either up or down. It could be our golf, something in our golf games, something that we see in the PGA Tour, um, something with any aspect of the combined uh, equipment, uh, individual golfers, course design, anything like that. So um, let's start with you. All right. Um, if we did this segment last week, I would say my own golf game would have been on the down, but I, I found a little something and I felt like I struck the ball well over the weekend. Uh, and I'm going to say my golf game is now back on the up. I'm very excited to play a little veterans day round on, on uh Thursday out at Corica and see how it goes. 
Uh, also, since we both picked him in top tens and he's been trending, let's put Matt Wolf on the up list of up and down. I like um, it. And uh, I guess giving what, what happened today, too, we might as well say the Euro Tour, right? They're getting a little more cash, and this all seems beneficial for the European Tour. So for the European Tour on the uh, on the up and on the down, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything. Um, <laughs> you got to have something. All right, on the down, I'll I'll do this bold pick. On the down, I'm going Brooks Kepka. I'm fading Kepka in his own in the course he helped design because I know oh, he shit. doesn't give a shit about. Uh, what if he doesn't make the cut? He doesn't give own- a shit about uh, about playing golf in in the fall. Oh my god! All right. Oh, and I'm going I'm going down. <laughs> I'm going down. Bryson DeChambeau's on the down because uh, the TikTok that he was oh, make, he made oh with Michelle god. Wee that's going around as you said. Once you're over about 25, uh, you unless you're getting paid millions of dollars, you shouldn't be fucking making TikTok dance videos. There's just yeah, there's no there's no looking good. That's a great one. That's a great that's a great down. I have to say, um, on the up, I would just have to say that I'm going to be able to start practicing golf more often, and so that's one part of my uh, of my golf game that I'm actually looking forward to is just being able to get out there and practice. So that's one thing that we got on the up. Um, for myself, for I guess for the PGA Tour, I would say a guy who's on the up, even though he's he only, he he just got his third PGA Tour win. I have to say Victor Hovland, even though he's pretty up, is going to be even more on the up this yeah, season. Yeah, back to back at Mayakoba. Back to back at Mayakoba, he's just poised. His numbers are up. He's in the top ten in the world. Um. You know, we kind of saw him coming up last year. I know a guy who picked him to be, you know, an up and comer next year, uh, next or last year, as a part of a bold prediction. And then, see, for for down, dude, my 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 driving is down. Yeah, I haven't seen you struggle with the driver. Driver, uh, driver multiple is down. times out. I mean, you're still not dry. It's still not terrible right but, um, still hit a few fairways but generally you miss just at one one spot now you right now you're 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 missing fucking you're you're fading them out and then uh obviously the snap little, hook uh, that comes once in a while that, that just a little kills. taste into my world yeah <laughs> where he can hook them as well so the two-way miss for my for my golf game but which i think everyone can relate to yes uh, but other than that, I think um, it's all up. We'll have a podcast next week. We, we're going to be playing golf on Thursday. That's another up. Playing fucking... Weekday golf. Yeah, weekday golf on Veterans Day at Karika uh, Park where we can never get a goddamn tea time. So all it takes is a a holiday like that during the middle of the week. And you know what I mean? <laughs> you get to play out there. The founders have other, have other things to do. They have... Uh, the Founders Club has other things that they're doing, you know, probably like a like a like a crab feed or something like that, that they're doing that day. Who knows? So anyway, looking forward to that. We'll talk about that next week. We'll recap the Houston uh, the Houston Open. We can uh, maybe. I, mean, I, I think the PGA actually takes a little break after next week, right? Yeah, I mean, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about, which was the Cordes not qualifying for. Um, God, what was that cup? Anyway, we can talk about that next week. So other than that, I don't have anything else for today. Sweet. 
So yeah, like I said, we'll review um, our rounds from, from Corica. We'll check out the, the results of the Houston Open. Um, but other than that, hit them straight. Yes, indeed. That does it for this episode of the Sandy Pars Podcast. We want to thank you all for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast content. Join us next week to unpack the Houston Open, recap a recent round at Corica Park, and more. Lastly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sandy Pars Golf and visit our website, sandypars.com, for our full library of podcasts and additional golf content like course reviews, reading guides, and more. Special thanks to our producer, Ryan Teeson, and until next time, hit him straight.